It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Tuesday, May 3rd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is excited to talk some playoff hockey with our bandwagon teams today. Yeah, I'm brushing up on my golf game like the Flyers are. (laughs) Well, we will get to that, plus what we're expecting out of Chuck Fletcher's press conference coming up next. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, once again, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. Lockdown Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So Russ, the Flyers have been pretty quiet since the player exit interviews that mm-hmm. came out. Obviously, there's a lot going on behind the scenes, I'm sure, as they are preparing for today's press conference with Chuck Fletcher. And I've got to say, it's been an eerie silence, but an expected one. Yeah, I think there's things churning. I do. I think so, too. And they had to get some ducks in a row to be prepared to make certain statements and answer certain questions. But I think, you know, for me, there's certain expectations I have in terms of topics that he's going to address, as well as you know questions that I have that I hope he answers in some way, shape or form. The first one is. I am very curious to see how much he will blame injuries versus his plans B that he had in terms of backup personnel. Well, injuries are going to be on the forefront and he'll find a way of saying he's not going to blame injuries, but mention all the injuries. Like that's just, Mm -hmm. that's what happened last time. That's what's going to happen again this time. I expect no less. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think we're going to be right there for me as well. I think, I want to know what does accountability look like to him from himself and management and from the players, because he talked Mm -hmm. a lot about that last offseason and things did not change very much on that front. It it appears in terms of accountability leading to results or things got worse. They did. And so that is a huge question for me as well in terms of how do you regain any sense of accountability on a team that appears to have no way to manage that at all. Yeah. See, one of the questions I'd like him to answer is what can he do with the current cap structure as far as retooling this team? It's an excellent question because you cannot do an aggressive retool with the cap space that he has, unless you're going to ship out a lot of pieces and that's a rebuild. That's not a retool. But what's he going to be willing to mention? Like the players are gone. They've done their exit interviews. How is he going to mention it? And what is he going to say? Or is he just going to say, I'm going to be on the phone and going to be busy. I have a feeling it's just going to be like that. I don't think we're ever going to get to anything pointed. I'm not expecting him to name names, but, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he said that he, you know, they have a way to increase their cap space. 
Exactly. What are the biggest needs of this team offseason, according to Chuck Fletcher? Because if you're going to do a retool, what exactly is he looking to retool? We obviously know special teams have been a problem, especially the power play. How does he fix that? How does he look at things defensively? What does he look at in terms of goal scoring opportunities to acquire those kind of players out there? And what are his priorities? And does he need to wait for injury reports later in the summer to solidify that plan? Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, yeah, another one I'd like to, you know, fire off would be now that you have given the message to the young players, you know, what kind of marching orders did you give them for player development? over the summer. Exactly. And, you know, we saw, I think, a little bit of a reactionary methodology from Chuck Fletcher last off season, where from the season beforehand, it was clear that they just did not trust the younger players to take on bigger roles, maybe as soon as some people would have liked. And so I think this past season, he relied a little bit too heavily on veteran players and and depth signings amongst, you know, what we would call our middling AHL level guys that wound up playing a lot like Nick Sealer, like Kevin Connaughton and picking up guys off waivers for the fourth line as opposed to using some of the younger guys in limited minutes, you know, and, and furthering their development at the NHL level. It's a, it's a valid choice. It's just a, yeah. a choice that you need to defend. Just to emphasize further though, like his boilerplate thing is, well, we like guys to stay in town and stay in the Philly and, and train in Philly, but we kind of need to know more than that because that was the plan last year and it didn't really work this year. No, it did not at all. And then for me, the other big question is if he has a plan yet, how does Rasmus Ristolainen fit into it? Because that re-signing was expensive and in a lot of people's eyes premature. Because mm-hmm. if you don't know what you're trying to put together and what your needs are exactly yet, re-signing a guy like that who has certainly some talents but suffers in a lot of other areas how are you going to make up for that defensively in terms of what his weaknesses are well you won't know until you hire a coach which again he'll be asked about someone wrote the other day i there's somewhere around 10 coaching possibilities in the league being open because like guys like jared bednar and lindy ruff and um thinking about joe Bruce Boudreau, uh, all haven't signed, you know, any kind of extensions yet, plus teams that might fire a few, plus teams that already, you know, are looking. So that's a lot. It's a lot of competition. The Joel Quenville rumor mill started in terms of him being potentially available. Not that I would want that, but uh, it's certainly a possibility. I don't think he I don't think he'd be looking to come to Philly. I really don't. I don't think that's his style. I think he wants a team that's like right on the cusp of making the Stanley Cup, why would he come to a team that you have to retool? Yeah, I I think, though, the coaching question overall for Chuck Fletcher is a huge one. And what is his plan going into the offseason? Is he going to wait until the playoffs are over? uh, Or is he going to wait until maybe the dust settles from potential additional firings from the regular season of teams that didn't make the playoffs? I think the timing of that is important because of how he's looking to approach the draft and free agency. You're almost certainly getting a recycled coach. That's pretty much a guarantee. Now the question is, 
Are you getting an A level, B level, C level? What kind of grip does Chuck have on other guys as far as calling in favors, getting him to come in and look at it and interview? I don't think that he has a lot of pull that way. And then even if it's someone like John Tortorella, well, he's going to look around too. Like he's not just going to jump at the flyers because there may be two or three better slots open in other places. This is what can complicate everything because they're going to need to get all this figured out before free agency, including gaining this other cap space to have any sort of idea where this team is headed. Exactly. And I think we're stuck in a little bit of a chicken and egg situation because are there going to be coaches and players that are going to make decisions on if Philadelphia is a team they want to play for or coach for, you know, based on the strategy going into next season? And and you can't know it until you know who the coach is. So, like I said, it's kind of this catch-22 chicken-egg situation. It's got to be frustrating for fans because – I think so. It's just – Nothing's going to happen quickly unless they already have a deal or had a deal in place with somebody who doesn't currently have a job. And let's face it, they overpaid them. They're going to have to overpay a coach to come here without looking at the rest of the market. Yeah, that's a fair point. Well, we'll see if Chuck Fletcher answers any of these questions. Hopefully he will and more because there are a lot more questions to be answered by this organization. But we're going to switch gears and talk about the playoffs coming up next. We're going to talk about my two bandwagon picks for the playoffs, starting with the Florida Panthers. And then we will talk Calgary Flames. But first, we are going to talk about Athletic Greens. I started using Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health, more energy, a better immune system, and hated taking pills. But I wanted something that also tastes great. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your energy, focus, aging, all the things. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Athletic Greens contain less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. Athletic Greens support better sleep quality and recovery, and it also supports mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially when it's flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. And it tastes delicious, too. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We are here with our first playoff bandwagon segment. And this was one of my picks 
that we did, my Eastern Conference pick. And I think you can pretty much tell what team that is based on the hat that Armando Velez is wearing. And he represents Locked On Florida Panthers. Welcome. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Russ. Uh, Thank you for bringing me on. Great to chat with you guys. Yeah, great. We are so excited to talk to you. Of course, there is a huge reason why Flyers fans would want to bandwagon the Florida Panthers this year, and that is Claude Giroux. We will get to that coming up. But first, give us your elevator pitch for the Panthers. What makes the Panthers so great, and why should we root for them? They just score uh, and score and score like it's nothing. It's um, 58 wins of this team. Half of them have come in the comeback variety. So anyone who says that this is a team that hasn't dealt with adversity, I tell them that they're wrong because there's been many times that the opposition has scored first and the Florida Panthers have always, well, most times have found a way to win games, um, including five times this season has been of the three goal variety. Um, two of them have been four goal variety in the in a span of a week. Um, the goaltending is very much improved. The power play was as low as 24th in the NHL in December finished inside of the top 10 uh, for, for, for the league. So it was a much improvement and the, this team had a lot of injury luck and, and what, and I kind of call it COVID luck as well, because when the league shut down in December, not only the players who got COVID uh, recovered, but the players who were also injured that non COVID, um, for non-COVID reasons, came back at that time. Same thing with the All-Star slash Olympic break. They got healthy at the right time. So the breaks have actually felt um, have been beneficial for this Panthers team. And also a little bit of fair share of adversity as well is losing their top defenseman, Aaron Ekblad, um, yep, since right. before the trade deadline. And also the resignation of uh, Coach Q as well and Andrew Burnett taking over. And then uh, even though he's uh, inherited a great team, he's been able to put his own stamp onto this team. You brought up Ekblad. We hear that it's possible he could play game one. What do you think? I think it's going to happen because he was a full participant in practice. Um, so it's looking very likely he was skating um, in the last road trip with the with the team, but not playing, of course. But um, they they were able to they were able to get him going a little bit in their practice on Sunday, just a few hours ago at the Panthers Ice Den. So he's uh, he's in a good position to be back. Also, Jonathan Huberto, Carver Hagee, um, as well. They got some maintenance days ahead of the of of game one um, tomorrow uh, Tuesday, excuse me, against the Washington Capitals. So what's great what what's great about the Panthers is they start Tuesday, so they have an extra day of practice, so Huberto can at least get one practice in, and Verhage as well, right? Be- and Mason Marchment right before uh, game one on Tuesday. So you mentioned your round one opponent is the Washington Capitals. Uh, what do the Panthers have to do to win this series? Uh, you can only hope to uh, limit Ovechkin as much as uh, as much as you can, but he has been hurt in the last week. Um, he's yeah, been his shoulder. Yeah. He's he's been practicing, which fifty percent or even seventy five percent of Ovechkin is better than none. So like. Uh, it's been it's been kind of hard to stop him, you know, basically his whole career. And he's been durable his whole career too. I tell people that he's been very durable. So just um, if you're able to shut shut down um, Alexander Ovechkin, you can find a way to win. They did that once um, against Ovi, where most of the capital scoring was coming from their bottom uh, six in one of their matchups against Ovi. The one where Ovi had a hat trick, 
of course, results in a win for, for Washington. And this three-game season series between the Panthers and the Capitals all came in one month in November. So it's been a oh, long wow. time since they yeah. faced off against each other in 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 the in this season. So it's been it all it was all crammed up little by little. And one of the comebacks, one of the three goal comebacks, was against Washington um, in in early November, where Etulus Thrain got a game winning goal. And that same week, another uh, three goal comeback against the Buffalo Sabers at home. So it was a good span for the Florida Panthers at at, at times uh, throughout throughout that month of November. I mean, this is a battle of Russian goalies. Who has the better Russian goalie? Um, I think I think it's Bobrovsky right now. He's had a he's had a a very bounce back season uh, for the Panthers. Um, so uh, with the with the Panthers also defense a lot better around them too. It's been it's been a combination of both. You've got to give a lot of credit where credit is due because Sergey Bobrovsky is one of the hardest working people in all of the NHL. Mm-hmm. In the one game that I sat in the press box at FLA Live Arena back in November, he didn't start that night. It was a Spencer night start. After the game, walking down to the pre- um, to the press conference, who do I see at the gym? Who who do I see at their little mini gym um, near the near the press room? It's Sergey Bobrovsky still working on his craft. So he's always doing some behind the scenes work in order to be ready. I think it's time for Sergey Bobrovsky to really um silence those people who've been complaining about his uh his contract because the first two seasons were they they were justified the the it was it was justified yeah. but it's been it's been better this season yeah i think so and he is one of four ex philadelphia flyers on the florida panthers i think that's one of the big reasons why i think the panthers are a fun option for flyers fans cuz there's so many familiar faces so we have sergey bobrovsky Radko Gudis, Robert Haig, and of course Claude Giroux. How is our Claude doing in Florida? He's mostly scoring. Um, he's mostly getting uh, assists as far as um, as far as getting his points. But um, still, he's 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 still great in the faceoff circle. He um, and the thing is oh, when yeah. when mm-hmm. Barkov and Giroux are on the ice at the same time, depending on what side they're on, Barkov's lefty, Giroux is right righty when they take face. Off. So no matter which side they're on, there's always going to be a little advantage of both yep. of them on the ice yeah. together of who's going to be um, in the dot. And really, um, Giroux has also created many uh, um, rebound attempts in front of the net, even though even when it's not he going through. That. So, yeah, so he's very good with that. And um, for the last few weeks, but while Aaron Ekblad was out, it was a five forward uh, power play. But um, oh, nice. Yeah. So. But with Aaron Ekblad being back, um, there he he's gonna um, it's gonna be a little bit of Barkoff and um, and Ekblad doing the quarterbacking, and Drew is gonna probably gonna be somewhere in the middle. So we'll look out for Claude Drew um, on the on the Florida power play, uh, right right there. Philadelphia Flyer fans know all too well about that. Exactly, and man, I tell you, in the few games I've been able to watch with the Panthers and and Giroux, I love seeing Giroux with Barkov. It is just so much fun to have them out there at the same time, and I think that they really help each other out there. And they're not always paired on the same line every game. Sometimes Giroux's on the second line, sometimes he's back on the first. So it's been a little bit of shuffling between uh, Giroux and Anthony Duclair on that top line, and uh, Giroux has been able to produce on either one. Yeah, I think Duclair. He's probably the most important guy to give you that secondary scoring, I would think. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Especially, especially with how he's able to break away um, in in, yeah. in open ice as well. If he gets a steal somewhere in the neutral zone, he could go all by himself and score a goal. Last year, he was having a little bit of a hard time finishing at the beginning, but then he started getting his game going in the middle of the season. Um, trading for Sam Bennett actually improved that of Anthony Duclair. He went on a big point streak once the Florida yeah. Panthers got Sam Bennett last season, and it's been and it and just within a game. In on opening night, Duclair started on the third line, and he was already upgraded to the first, and he stayed there in the in the top six pretty much the whole season. One more follow up. Um, in my voting for awards, I could tell you that I have Anton Lundell in there. Give me the idea of the importance of him to this team. Very important because um, last year the third line center for the Florida Panthers was Alex Wenberg. He got himself paid out in. Um, Seattle Wenberg did start off as a second line center, but then when Bennett um, came came around, he was shifted down. And um, the Florida Panthers were always going to lose him because he wanted his payday after a career season after being bought out from uh, Columbus. So after seeing how Anton Lindell did in Liga at, for HIFK being on the on the top line over there, while Henrik Borgstrom, yeah. former Pl- Florida Panther prospect, was on the third line, um, it, it it was just. And averaging a point per game, uh, the Florida Panthers knew that he was ready. And and the first thing that they assignment that they were trying to put him on, on was penalty killing. And that was right. really his um, his strength there. And and the, the the we don't talk enough about the Florida Panthers penalty kill unit. You have Barkoff and Lundell together on the first one. And then Itulus Durainen and Jonathan Huberto on the second one. And Jonathan Huberto, a lot of people don't give him credit for his defense, but Sometimes every other game right. you see a, a shorthanded chance between the Etelusterainen and the Huberto PK unit going the other way. So I try to point that out as great defensive play for Huberto. Yeah, they're absolutely tremendous on the PK. Um, quite jealous of that, actually. <laughs> but uh, wrapping things up on our show at the end of every episode, we try and point out a Flyers fun thing where it's something on the internet or social media that the team has done that just bring you a little bit of joy for that day. Uh, Is there something that the Panthers have done that you can point Flyers fans to? Every win, there's a drawing by a fan um, called the Vibing Panther. It's like a, Ah. it's it's drawn in crayon um, and they've actually sold shirts in their team shop now recently of a thing, a thing called vibing Panther. Whenever the Panthers win, there's always a, there's always a really uh, cute caption in relation to vibing Panther. After every win, um, you'll see me retweet it from the Lockdown Panthers page. Every time the Panthers win, uh, vibing Panther, it's called. Um, also, there's been paintings around the Fort Lauderdale and Miami Dade areas. Um, the Fort Lauderdale painting was there for over a year now. Um, the newest one in Wynwood, in Miami Dade County. Uh, has has just been finished today. So that's a little bit of art on the street that this region is ready to be bought into a winner and that this region is ready to explode. Okay. That's a tremendous note to end on here. Armando, thank you so much for joining us. Bandwagon the Florida Panthers. That's my pick. And uh, where can people find you out there? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Mondoman12. Follow the show account on Twitter as well at LO underscore FLA Panthers. And of course, the podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. So come on, join join along, and um, let's make some memories. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, 
and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, continuing our playoff bandwagon picks. This is my other pick for what team to bandwagon this season. It is the Calgary Flames, and we are so thrilled to welcome to the show Jess Balmasto from Locked On Flames. Welcome, Jess. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. I am so excited to talk about the Calgary Flames because, you know, as Obviously, we're Eastern Conference, and we don't get to see the Flames very much, but they are an exciting team with lots of scoring. Give us the overall elevator pitch as to why Flyers fans should bandwagon the Flames. They're a fantastic team. They, you know, they're one of those teams that have been uh, an underdog for as long as I can remember. And this season, they completely overachieved, but. I feel like they still have that underdog grit to them. How can you not love a team that has a top line, that has 340 goal scorers? You have uh, so much fun and personality with each player on this roster. And of course, which I know we'll talk about later, but Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, I mean, I some of the Calgary Flames are in my voting um, ballot. So I won't say who and where, but but more than usual. All right, but here, the first one is going to be an easy one. If Daryl Sutter were a Muppet, which Muppet would he be? Oh, my God. Is it Beaker? I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think so. It is Beaker. He's just got that look post-game, and, you know, it's just it just kind of makes you laugh sometimes. All right, that top line. I think the most unheralded of them all is, Hamp- is um, Elias Lindholm. Uh, 150%. He kind of – I don't want to say he goes unnoticed because he does have all those points, but – one of the hints I'll give you is he's very strong defensively. He uh, he would very much be on my ballot for a certain trophy. But, you know, I think that he is one of the original Flames from last year and the year before, uh, before this little retool that I really admired for his two-way forward game. I thought that it was um, just a great... Uh, asset to the team and now he has Gaudreau playing in a two-way position which is so nice to see and Andrew Mangiapane and the fact that Lindholm makes I think like four and a half million dollars obviously he was acquired from uh, Carolina in the Mm Dougie Hamilton trade but your top line centers don't make that kind of money anymore no Besides that top line, is there anybody that's particularly interesting or fun that Flyers fans should keep an eye out on? I love the little Swedish mafia. They are, it's Kelly Yarncroke, Elias Lindholm, who are cousins, and then Jacob right. Markstrom. Yeah. Uh, they, the little friend group that they have there is so awesome. And they're, they're fun. I think that it's going to be, uh, a great environment for the locker room, which has been a huge change. And, you know, I think Tyler Toffoli as well. Uh, his wife is very active on social media and I'm sure they have a really cute dog named Dodger. And uh, <laughs> honestly, that's kind of the selling point. Dodger Toffoli is my favorite flame. There you go. <laughs> Let's talk about Noah Hannafin because I feel like, you know, expectations were never right on him. 
in his draft year, I, I knew he'd be a terrific NHL player, but I also knew he wasn't going to be a big-time scorer. It just wasn't in him. But for some reason, there was this tidal wave of information or hope that he was going to be that. But I think Calgary has figured out the right role for him. Absolutely. And there was an article written last preseason about him wanting to take this next step in his game and wanting to finally not be elite per se, but, you know, Mm -hmm. a better player. And I think that he has made that jump like three times over this season. He has definitely improved offensively, but something about his defensive game as well, just the way, you know, he'll, he'll poke the puck and he will do whatever he needs to do to get that puck in his possession and, it's just, it's been wonderful. He's been a pleasure to watch. Calgary is facing off against the Dallas Stars in this first round. Uh, how do you see that matchup and what do the Flames have to do to win? Well, I think that the Flames need to not take as many unnecessary penalties uh, for things like tripping and letting their their emotions get the better of them. Excuse me. And I think that uh, that's really what cost them the series last time against Dallas in the bubble in 2020 and um, allowing those power play goals. Now, obviously, this is a different team, but I I do think that the Flames are a stronger team. I think that the only like true scary factor for the stars is really Joe Pavelski. He's uh, sorry. I'm sure that'll come back to haunt me, but. I feel like that's the (laughs) one true um, threat. And, you know, Jamie Benn's having a down year. Tyler Sagan is coming back from huge surgeries. Their top line is great, but I just, I feel like it doesn't truly match up to the Flames' top line. I'll say Jason Robertson might be the guy to watch. Yeah. Because he's been potting a lot of goals. But one last question for me. So Oliver Shillington is another one of these guys that when he was drafted, he was known for his skating and his puck moving. And some thought there would be offense. I didn't think there would be much offense, but very good player. And again, seems to be in the right role for them. And that's one of their strengths is they, they're missing a little bit on their defense because of injury, and yet they still are really good. Yeah, I think that Oliver Shillington really got lucky this season in terms of finally cracking the roster and saying goodbye to Stockton. Uh, At the beginning of the season, I was more than convinced he was going to ask for a trade or he was going to be dealt. But he, him and Chris Tanev have just been working so well together. And that's another great factor of this Flames team is that they have this veteran presence. And Shillington had, I think it was like four goals in four games or something like that. Um, over their winter run and it was just so nice to see them (laughs) really uh, find that offensive luck. Yeah I think for me the Flames are such a good team to bandwagon because they are the prime example of a team that has retooled their way Mm -hmm. to be successful that they've made the incremental moves along with their drafting and developing to become a successful franchise. And I think it's a great role model for the Flyers to look to in terms of how to do a retool properly when you have the right personnel. 
But uh, one of the things we've been doing on these uh, bandwagon crossovers is talking about X-Flyers, but there are no (laughs) X-Flyers on the Calgary Flames. So there isn't quite that appeal. But But there could have been. There could have been. been. Yes. And there also is a once in future, always rumored Philadelphia Flyer, and that is Johnny Goudreau. Yeah. So um, love, love Johnny. Always thought he was from Philly. And then I was like, wait, he's from Jersey. Uh, so, you know, there's yeah. just that that Philly connection there. Um, just he's a great kid. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I want to be his best friend. Um, really talented hockey player. Uh, family-oriented guy. So if that's your thing, like, you just – how can you not love him? I think uh, my favorite thing, even before I started covering the Flames this closely, was – Every trade deadline week, he would remove Calgary or something from his social media bio, and everyone would be, Johnny's coming home. Johnny's coming yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. Never, never happened. He's such a good troll that way. He is. And he's quiet on social media, you know? Like, so you know he's like calculated and meticulous about it. It's funny. It's true. He's And he's a great player that I am very confident will never play for the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, probably. But, you know, wherever the check goes, he'll go. All right. We've been wrapping these up with something that we do on Lockdown Flyers, which is say something at the end of each show that's maybe in the Flyers social media or out on the Internet that is just a little fun thing. And do the Flames have any such thing you would like to bring to our listeners? (laughs) So... It would be funnier if they were playing the Canucks or if the Canucks were in the postseason. But um, because all free agents from Vancouver have somehow landed miraculously in Calgary, the social media team has coined all of them as our guys. Um, (laughs) And it's it's funny uh, because it gets the Canucks fans going and it's just it doesn't of, take much to get them going. No, it doesn't. But it's just like this fake, like internet beef that they have, and I right. just, I love it. I think it's so fun, and uh, they're always interacting with Gaudreau's family on there. Um, it's it, they're just fun and laid back. It's nice to watch. That is so good to hear. Jess, thank you so much for joining us. I certainly hope the Flames do well in the playoffs and prove me right. And uh, and uh, and like I said, they're a ton of fun to watch. So I want to see that through in the playoffs. You and me both. <laughs> It'd be nice. Where can people find you out there? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, it's right on the screen. Uh, and then, of course, you can find the show wherever you listen to Locked On Flyers. Excellent. Thanks again, Jess. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. That will do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. We are going to talk about Chuck Fletcher's end of season press conference and so much more. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology. S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen locked on NHL. From first round matchups to each Stanley Cup lap, 
Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.